When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Terry's Talking Podcast. Boy, Terry, uh, it seems like we, we, we missed last week because you were uh, taking a few days off in Marietta. I feel like we've been gone for a month. <laughs> Doesn't it feel well, that Well, you know, a lot of things do happen quickly in Cleveland, even when this is supposed to be sort of a dead time of year. So, Indeed. Uh, there you go. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm David Campbell, sports manager at Cleveland.com, and Terry Pluto, award-winning columnist from The Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, joining me as we do Pretty much every week. Uh, Terry, you had a good trip in Marietta. It was fun mm-hmm. last week. Good weather, yeah, hiking. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was, it was a really good time hiking. And uh, we like going down there just uh, that Wayne National Forest is kind of cool. And there's some neat places to eat. So if you want to try to do something, don't just look at Marietta as I'm going by Route 77. And I just see sort of the little strip there of the you know the McDonald's and the et cetera. Get off and then go into the uh, historic part. And then the other thing that's kind of cool is if you do like hiking, you got to do a little research on it. But there's some trails that are not well uh, known and are fun to hike over in the Wayne National Forest, which is like within 15 to 20 minutes of there. Yeah, I'm dying. So that's the to get travel log. So we should send yeah. Susan Glazer there to, that's right. to do that. Yeah, and um, I was out and about in Cleveland this weekend, Terry, with some friends in from out of town. And boy, what a great Cleveland weekend it was. Great mm-hmm. Northeast Ohio weather weekend. and. It was really, the the city was really at its best. It was just a, a great weekend to be hanging out in town. So, but anyway, as you said, we're, it's the end of May, we're heading into June and there is never a dull moment in Cleveland sports. Uh, as soon as uh, DeAndre Hopkins got released by the Cardinals, uh, we'll start with the Browns today, but as yeah. soon as Hopkins got released immediately, Browns fans thought he would look really good in orange and Brown. We should get him in here is what the fans were saying. Uh, and the Browns are holding their annual charity golf outing today out in Westlake. And of course, Deshaun Watson was asked if he'd like to bring in Hopkins. And he's like, absolutely. They played together in, in Houston for a long time. Uh, what do you think, Terry? We're, you know, fans are weighing in on whether they think this, think this would be a good move or not. Do you think this is another weapon that the Browns could bring in as a veteran? Well, I mean, I'm looking. He's played 19 games in the last two years. That's out of a possible 34. Uh, he is, you know, he's going to be um, 32 uh, in June, June 6th. So he's going to be 32. No, excuse me. He'll be 31. But um, regardless, I'm okay with it, but I'm not just jumping up and down. You know, they got to get him because you play with Deshaun, and back in the day they were pro bowlers, et cetera. Um, I don't know if Stefanski was just telling the truth or just kind of trying to dodge a question, but he did say out there that he liked the receiving room that they have with uh, DPJ and Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, uh, that kind of thing. So. I, I my guess is it would be if Hopkins doesn't get much interest and uh, can sign real cheap, they might bring him in. But otherwise, I don't think they're going to do it. And I'm not saying that, that this is a thing that changes the the team around. It's not like you're bringing in uh, Zadarius Smith, a defensive end, or uh, many of the other acquisitions that they made. Well, there's two things that I'm thinking about, Terry. Number one, he sat out the last two games last year with the Cardinals, and I think that really rubbed them the wrong way and might have led to this release. Uh, But that team was going nowhere. The coach was going to be fired. They were tanking for the draft. And you know what? If he he came here playing with Deshaun Watson, I I don't think the Browns would see any of that. So, of course, the number two thing is what we always know it boils down to, which is money. Money right. and also health. I don't think you should just dismiss that. I mean, you only played 10 games a year before. 
even with that, Terry, last year, what, he had 64 catches for 717 yards. All right, so Mm -hmm. the 64 catches would have ranked number two on the Browns last season, right? Behind Amari Cooper and head of Donovan Peoples-Jones. And the 717 yards would have ranked third on the team behind Cooper and Donovan Donovan Peoples-Jones. So this guy's productive when he plays, and it's a long season. I mean, 17 games, guys get hurt, as we point out a lot. I think if the price is right, I think this the Browns are all in on 2023, and this kind of fits that mentality. He'd make the younger guys better. Uh, it just it's about the money. It's totally about the money. But I, I think they should do it if the money fits and he and both sides are comfortable. I think they should. I'm lukewarm. If they do it, yeah. I'm fine with it. But it's not like you got to go get a defensive and you got to go get another. I was glad when they hired uh, signed McLeod as another safety. I was clamoring for more safeties. Um, and so we'll we'll see. I'm, you know, Mari Cooper has a history of playing a lot, playing hurt, and you know, as they did last year, miss very seldom misses games. That's why I was so excited when they got him, uh, along with his productivity, is you know availability. And you turn around, and, and I just think Donovan Peoples Jones is underrated. I think he's going to continue to get better. Um, we'll see what they get out of Elijah Moore. They are very, very excited about Moore. Um, I wrote about this in my scribbles over the weekend. Uh, I don't know. You know, you watch and touch football, who knows what, but they think that Moore can play in the slot. They can move him all over. He's not just a speed guy. The speed guy is a good one that they brought in. Um, I was told, and I wrote it, that Stefanski was very, very high on Tillman in the draft. He thinks Tillman with the size at 6'3", could be the big kind of tall receiver that they like. So um, the nice thing about that room, David, is it isn't just a couple of guys. They feel they have several. Um, I may be the only guy left around not giving up on David Bell, but I'm not giving up on David Bell. I don't know if there's anybody around still not giving up on Schwartz besides maybe the front office. All right. Well, Terry, the other thing that came out of the golf tournament today, there was uh, they're always asking, how's Deshaun Watson looking? How's Deshaun Watson looking? Kevin Stefanski seems like he's very upbeat on where things are at. They're making some changes to the offense. They're they're trying to make it more Deshaun Watson friendly. Uh, What did you think of Kevin Stefanski being so upbeat on Deshaun Watson? It's not a surprise, but any reaction to what you heard out there? Basically, he better be. Um, His job hangs on it. And if you think about what it means to the franchise. Yeah. That you should be hear nothing but good things. That means Watson's working and, and learning the offense. But I'll tell you, David, I remember watching um, one of the scrimmages that they had with Philadelphia last year. Remember that in the training camp? Absolutely. And, and then we see now, I mean, first of all, I was thinking, boy, Philadelphia is pretty good. And I was talking to, I can't remember Doug Deacon or somebody else out was out there like that. And then, um, they were saying the same thing. And Watson, the day that I was out there, it was two days. I tell you, he looked really good against them. He really did. So it's one thing playing when they're not tackling you and all that stuff. It's another getting out there with game speed. And maybe I'm just a bit more skeptical than others. See, my, my contention on Watson is I think he could be pretty good this year. Not necessarily this franchise guy and, and all that. And – I mean, it's not basically – He it wasn't his idea for the Browns to trade all these draft picks and give them $230 million. You know, he asked for the money, but the Browns are the ones that went all in. Like, he's the guy that's going to walk in there and immediately be an elite top-five quarterback. Um, but we'll find out. In other words, though, it's good to hear this, that A, he's not hurt, B, that there's rumblings about stuff off the field, none of that stuff. We're not hearing any of that. So that part is all good. How he's doing and – in the month of May, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, really, come on. They're, they're, it's touch football. It is. But, you know, I, you know, Mary Kay Cabot has been saying for the last couple of weeks that it's only OTAs. It's only minicamp. They have minicamp yeah. next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But, like, every rep that those guys get together mm-hmm. with all these new receivers coming in, you need to learn, like, where does yes. the guy want the ball? When do, when do they prefer to have it thrown? 
all those little things, just, you know how it is, Terry, repetition, mm-hmm. doing the same plays over and over and over. That stuff all gets built now so that when you hit camp, it, you're ready to go on all that. So there's some yeah. value there as opposed to a lot of other years where the Browns have the same people coming back and um, it's maybe not as important. So no, I agree. On, I agree on that too, because they're, they're trying to figure out what to do with Elijah Moore and they're trying to look at, okay, um, is Tillman is going to be real good early or we have to wait on that? You know, Amari Cooper, I mean, he could just – I think he had uh, – didn't he have core muscle surgery or something like that in the offseason? Uh, he doesn't need to do a whole lot. Uh, but these other guys do. And so that part, you're correct about that working with Watson and also just for them to begin to evaluate these people. Uh, and I also am curious to see, uh, uh, you know, what type of formations they're going to use out of the running game because Watson is very, very from, uh, comfortable in the shotgun. I'm not sure Chubb is, you know, I mean, Chubb will run it and never say a word no matter what, but I'm not sure that's the best formation for him. Yeah, we'll see. The the thing that I think is going to be different about this offense is they have lots of options now. I mean, you talked about the receiver room. There's a lot of guys who can do a lot of different Mm -hmm. things uh, and they're going to be able to do a lot of things formationally and in terms of who gets the ball and the weapons. So yeah, really interesting. It's going to be, it's coming up fast, Terry. (laughs) It's a, Oh, they're going to have mini camp, like we said, next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then training camp will be here in July. And, and the Browns, you mentioned the, the practices against the Eagles. They're going to be doing that again this summer. Mm-hmm. They're going to be out in Philadelphia. And they're also going down to West Virginia to open camp down at the Greenbrier, where you have been. So, David, no what, do you, what do you think of Miles Garrett not showing up for the voluntary OTAs? I don't think it's a big deal. And every time Stefanski's act asked about this, he's like, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. Yeah. That means they don't have to come. Um, I, I think it would have been good for him to be there from a leadership point of view. I mean, he's the captain of the defense, mm-hmm. but in six months, nobody will be thinking about this. What did you think? Well, uh, basically the same thing. Yeah. I mean, he, there makes a little more sense for him to be the really new defensive coordinator. For example, Chubb is not there, but I was told Chubb never comes for this OTA. He hasn't, except his rookie year when he had to come in, but the others, he is this long thing with his high school, and they do all these training programs and all that. And besides, he's Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb is not an attitude problem. Nick Chubb is not anything other than um, I think he's the best running back I've seen in Cleveland since Jim Brown. And he has a, the, the attitude for that. So, um and besides, yeah, he's played with Deshaun already, so I, I don't worry about that. But I would have liked to have seen Miles come. I don't think it's a big deal, but I would like to have seen him just because yeah. he would have been there with uh, Smith and uh, and and the other uh, younger linemen. Because and I'm basically, you look at the defensive line. Who's left? Jordan Elliott. Yeah. Tommy right. Togia. Yep. I don't know who else that counts. All right, well, the Browns will be back at it this week, and then we have minicamp next week, and then they get a month off before training camp, and they are going to be one of the earliest teams to start camp this year because of participating in the Hall of Fame game and the Joe Thomas festivities. So, all right, Terry, let's – why don't we talk some Guardians before we take a break, all right? Mm -hmm. Guardians 24 and 29, a nice win in Baltimore yesterday. The three-and-a-half games out of first place behind the Twins. They're actually in third place. Detroit is in second place. There's a lot going on with this team, Terry. I don't, do you want to start with the with the pitching, or where do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I've been getting some emails and things from fans. What are they going to do with uh, with McKenzie and um, Savali coming off the injured list? And who, you know, who's going to go to the minors or what, or who should go in the bullpen? They basically have two options in my mind. I mean, first of all, Logan and Bybee, they have to stay. In Logan Allen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Logan Allen and Bybee. And Logan Allen, the new Logan Allen, not the Logan Allen that was here a couple of years ago. Um, but they have to stay in, and you have to keep them in there with uh, with with uh, Shane Bieber. And when you look at the the rest, I mean, some people say we'll put Quantrill in the bullpen. Um, and Quantrill's had you know kind of a rocky start. He's 2-3 and three with a 4.75. This guy, though, since he came to Cleveland, Quantron speaking of is 23 and eight with a 311 ERA. You know, his stuff isn't as dominant as some others, but I just think he's a, he's a winning pitcher. I really like him. 
And, you know, David, he pitched in the dreaded World Games for Canada. And it just seems those pitchers always have some sort of problems after they do that. Um, what I would do, they, they have two options. One, they could go to a six-man rotation with Savali, McKenzie, all that. You kind of stretch it out. Um, but they worry sometimes about these young pitchers throwing too many innings. And that would be Bybee and, and Allen. Um, then on top of it, if you look at Savali's career, and you go to June 21st of 2021, at that point, he was on his way really to an all-star season. And he was had a 3.1 ERA, and he had won 10 games. And then since then, he hurt his finger. This is in June of 21. That was his first of four trips to the injured list since then. Meantime, since then, his ERA is 4.86. And this is not to bury Savali or whatever, but it's really, really hard to count on him. And maybe a way of keeping him pitching without getting hurt is a six-man rotation. McKenzie has not thrown competitively other than recently in triple a since the middle of march and so that's another guy there you want to be careful so you got two guys coming off of uh, injuries and you got two rookie pitchers that they worry about their innings so the only two veterans you have are um, shane bieber and and quantrill so those are the two or otherwise what i would do i would put savali in the bullpen long relief just because of the inconsistency yeah Okay. So you're going with Logan Allen, Bybee, Bieber, Quantrill, and McKenzie with Savali in the bullpen if they don't go the six-man rotation. Well, what you've seen, David, who, how would you rate? If you had a rate of one through six, we could try try to do that. Well, you know who number one is. Who sure. would be six? Uh, I Boy, <laughs> I mean, things change all the time, but Savali, right? So yeah. he's the guy. So there you go. Yeah, and I mean, you turn around, and how about this? I looked at this. Remember a few years ago, kind of the rotation of the future type thing. They had Bieber, they had Savali, they had Plezak, they had Clevenger. So then, like three years later, say it's four years later, because that would have been like 2019, um, Clevenger is with the White Sox. He's on the injured list again. You know, he had Tommy John after he got traded to San Diego. We've talked about Savali's injured injury problems in the previous two plus years 21 22 and early 23 please had an era in cleveland of 4.8 and in columbus it's 5.57 these guys come and go that's why um you know they, they may trade beaver but you don't want to trade in these other starters i mean gavin williams is down there pitching great at triple a but uh, they get hurt. Just stuff happens with these guys. Yeah, and you know how it is, Terry. Some th- things like this tend to work themselves out. Somebody yes, will do. tweak an elbow, or they'll something will happen, and, and then you'll be back down to five starters, and you'll be glad that mm-hmm. you had a little bit of depth there. So, yeah, that's why I said they could go with six for a while, see how it goes. I mean, Savali made like two stars this year, and he got hurt. Yeah. All right, Terry. Let's turn to the to the bullpen a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, James Karinchak, it's never a dull moment with this guy. Uh, well, let me read you this letter, and, and then we can get into him a little bit. This We got a letter. Uh, hey, Terry, letter. By the way, before I forget, if you want to send us a letter, comment, question, you can email it to us at sports at cleveland.com and just put, hey, Terry, or Terry's talking in the subject line. This one comes from Akron from Neil Hausch, and Neil says, hey, Terry, James Karinchak continues to be a liability in the bullpen this past weekend. Usually graceful Cleveland baseball fans were audibly booing him as he was pulled late in the game. The Guardians have been patient with him for the last couple of years, and he's had moments of dominance, but is it time to seriously consider cutting ties with him? Thanks for that, Neil. So uh, I think Neil is talking about Saturday night. Karen Chak comes in in a tight game. It was one-to-one late, and he walks the bases loaded. <laughs> and and they got out of it. They eventually ended up losing the game, but... Uh, that was just an example of just you never know what you're going to get with this guy every night. Terry, do you, what would you do? You you kind of write it out. I think cutting ties is a little bit premature, maybe sending him down or I, I don't know. How do you handle this situation? How do you kind of 
get him where he needs to be. Well, along with the control thing, I believe he's thrown six home runs in something like 22 innings. Um, I'm just checking to see if he has, oh, he's got all kinds of options left, I believe. So they could send him to the minors and um, let him work on it because you have two bad things going on there, whereas he um, not only uh, was walking guys, he's given up home runs. Other than that, it's been fine. <laughs> I mean, really, you talk about that because you think a guy with that type of stuff, the if you even go into his minor league career, that was always one of the big concerns about it. I remember one scout telling me it's almost like watching Little League with him in the early in the low minors. He either walked everybody or struck out everybody. But they certainly weren't hitting home runs off of him. And last year, in 39 total innings, he gave up a grand total of two home runs. But interestingly, in 2021, and I don't remember this, he pitched 55 innings and gave up nine. I mean, that's a lot. So I'd send him, I'd send him out. Yeah, and this year, Terry, just for people listening, uh, Karen Check, one in four, 25 appearances, 21 and two-thirds innings, uh, giving up 11 earned runs, six homers, 16 walks in 21 innings and 31 strikeouts and 4.57 ERA. But the 31 strikeouts, I mean, you don't find guys with his kind of arm no. just running around the streets. No, and you don't. I, I think that's why they're going to be, they're going to be patient with him. Sure. And, yeah. And you sure can send them out him and see and, and, and work it from there. You know, what, how about Diego Santos? This guy, you talk about just quiet and does a good job. I mean, basically now he's moving into the, uh, uh, basically the eighth inning role, and they, they find these guys like that. You know, De La Santa, I remember when they brought him in, it was like they kind of liked him, but how about this? I just want to check. So when they brought in De La Santos, this was before last season, he had pitched in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh a grand total of 33 innings with an ERA of five and a half. You know, so I don't know. And then the year before that, with the Phillies, in 11 innings, he had an ERA of seven. And they saw something in this guy, or they fixed him, or whatever, and and there you go. Um, He has saved them. I mean, he was the one that came in, I believe, with the bases loaded when Karen Cech walked him and got them out of it the other day. And Terry, just to uh, keep, we've been kind of tracking Eli Morgan, still leading mm-hmm. the team in ERA with a 1.61. You talk about development, yeah. and, and we've been writing about this, Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga, who cover the team. Um, this is what development is. I mean, Eli Morgan has been developing other stuff to go with that awesome changeup that he has. And these guys don't just come in and stick with the same thing. They're, they're giving these guys new tools, uh, working on fundamentals, on mechanics. And Eli Morgan, 1.61, and, and De Los Santos is right behind him at 1.80, the top two ERAs on the team. So a pitcher uh, that pretty I impressive like stuff. It, I like in the minors is uh, uh, Kelly, Michael Kelly. And he didn't never even made the majors until the age of 29 last year, but he throws extremely hard, and he is pitching well. He's got a little bit of wildness, but, if, you know, if I were to do something, you know, he could be your Karen check possibly this year. You kind of. Flip it with him and Karen check and, and look at it. And uh, I'm just checking to make sure my memory was correct. He was, yeah, he was a first round pick back in 2011 by San Diego. Um, so we will see what happens from there. But I, I, I like him as a possible reclamation project that these guys come up with. All right, Terry. So it sounds like we're going to send Karen check to the minors for a while to work some sure. things out. Why you've not? been getting, you've been hearing from some fans about Andres Jimenez mm-hmm. and raising the same question. Where do you stand on him? And, and what are you seeing from the way he's playing at least offensively? Um, he's, I think his defense has always been really sound, but where do you see him and, and what do you do with him? Or you want to let him ride it out here? Yeah, I'm not sending him to the minors, although boy, this is tough to watch in month of May. See in April, he hits 253, uh, OPS like 720. So nobody's like, it's not great, but nobody's saying, oh, you know, that's terrible. 
he fell just falling off the map in May. He's batting 180, and he's only got two extra base hits. Um, you know, I, some people, well, they gave the guy $100 million. What were they thinking? The awful of one good year. Um, I mean, a couple things about him and his. First of all, he signed for a million two by the Mets in 2015 out of Venezuela at the age of 16. That's a high bonus. That's that's a big money on the international market, especially back then. Uh, he came to the majors in 20 at the age of 20, skipping over triple A, and he hit 263 with a OPS of a little over seven. So 700, excuse me. So in other words, he's, he's done some things to, uh, uh, attract attention. Now remember in 21, he opened the season a short, didn't hit, went to the minors. Actually, when he came back, he hit a little bit. And then last year, and I admit I wrote a column about this. I, I said, I'm not saying he's going to be a same caliber of Jose Ramirez, but his career was tracking in that way that Ramirez, you know, came up at the age of 20 show some promise, but then he opened the season at the age of 21, was sent back to the minors, didn't hit, came back the following year, 2016, he hits 300. Um, and then after that, they signed him to like a five or six year contract right then. And I thought this was the same thing there. So that's why this is sort of stunning. By the way, his defense is elite. As a second baseman from Benedictine and one year at Hiram College, couldn't hit at all. <laughs> I just sit there and marvel at his ability, uh, his feet, the way he is throwing, that kind of stuff. But 180 with two extra base hits all month is, is just frightening, and I'm sure they are. I asked Francona about it. He went into a long discussion of his base, which is his footwork. And basically, he said, when your footwork is all messed up, all you have is your hands, and you're just kind of slapping at the ball. Um, you know, when they look at all those analytics things, as Hard hit, excuse me. Hard hit rate is very low, um, and so we will see uh, on him. But I, I'm a believer in him. He's very athletic, and besides, he's under contract, and uh, I'm fine with that. Some fans want to send him out and play. Uh, Whether you want to play Arias over there or, or play, you know, um, Freeman, bring up somebody. Uh, you know, Rokio's hitting like 340 down there in AAA, but. I think the move is will be the, to trade Rosario around the break. I heard they they have shopped him around, and they just can't get much of anything right now for him. Hmm. Well, it's you know how it gets closer to the trade deadline. Teams might get more desperate for someone like him. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and somebody could lose a short, lose a short stop, or they just decide, okay, uh, we'll get what we can for him, and uh, he's going to be you know remember he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year too, so. And getting back to Jimenez, and this is true of so many guys in this lineup, 32 strikeouts this season, Terry, yeah. uh, if compared to eight walks. and that's, Name one hitter who's overachieving. You can't. There's nobody on this team batting over 275, not one no, player. No one player. Not uh, even Jose. An interesting comment, and I heard it from a top Guardians um, baseball guy, and then Francona said it when I was out there the other day and interviewed him for a long comedy over the weekend. And I didn't even use this quote. He said, though, um, the, ba the executive told me, he goes, usually you figure when it comes to hitters, you know, kind of one third overachieve, one third kind of do what they usually do, and then the other third underachieve. And Francona said, you know, you look at most lineups, three overachieve, three are about what you get, figure, and two or three don't. But you go there, it's like, I mean, even Stephen Kwan isn't hitting what he did last year. There isn't anybody hitting what they did a year ago now granted their track records are shorter but nonetheless that's a, a concern so Jimenez has plenty of company in the underachieving category there well the lucky thing for the Guardians is it's still only May and there's a lot of time left and they're only three and a half games out in the division so it could be a lot worse they could and they, they could tend have... to figure things out this is and true they have, since Francona's been here, joining with this front office, they've never been bad. Never been bad. The worst is 80 and 82. And even though we could go about those things, if we turn around, 
And the big thing we were talking about is they got a whole bunch of starting pitching. Now, I think one of the hidden problems this year, even though overall their ERA is very good in the bullpen, is a lot of these blown saves. And granted, they play a lot of one-run games, played a lot of one-run games last year. If you're going to have this type of team based on a starting pitching, kind of athletic guys that don't hit for powers, you need that strong bullpen. You need to get cost safe together and going. Um, Really, now that Karen Shack is, whether you send him the minors or whatever you want to do with them, uh, you've got to find another reliever uh, with a really good arm to help out uh, De Los Santos. And because uh, I like I like Morgan, you know, as kind of long relief and that. But uh, Stefan has been, his ERA is good, but he is not, he's two of five in saves. They've tried to kind of slip him into that ninth inning role, and he struggled. All right, Terry, well, the Guardians are wrapping up a three-game series in Baltimore tomorrow, and then they are heading to Minnesota for four games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That could really change the division if one team happens to win three or four mm-hmm. out of those. So we'll see what happens, and we'll be able to talk about what we saw next week. So, all right, you want to take a break real quick? Sure. All right, let's do it, Terry. When we come back, we're going to get into the Cavs real quick. We're each going to throw out a player that we think might be able to play a part in helping the Cavs solve I've their long shooting. You have a couple. All right. Yes, I help do. Their, help solve their long their long range shooting problems. I can get that spit out. Uh, so we'll be right back on Terry's Talking. We're back on Terry's Talking. David Campbell and Terry Pluto. Let's get into the Cavaliers, Terry. If we have learned anything from these NBA playoffs, it is the importance of three-point shooting. Uh, the teams that go cold have a hard time, like the Cavs did, and the teams that make the threes move on. So, uh, I've got been, something. You've this. got something. All right. So All we right, want for... to find some players now, who can help the Cavs. Before we even get to All that, right. Let's hear this. Charles Barkley's <laughs> wisdom. And so I'm watching the game and last night with Miami and Boston and it's halftime. And I knew Charles was going to go a little in this direction. Cause it's kind of like I am too. So you're watching the Celtics miss three pointer after three pointer after, I think they were one of 11 or something in the first quarter. And so they bring that up and they need more shooting. And Charles goes, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now I'm watching this. They can't make a three-point shot. This is just stupid. Why are you just shooting all these three-pointers and missing them? And somebody says something. goes, no, no, no. You know what the NBA is? You go, any old fool thinks he can take any old stupid shot behind a three-point line, and that's just fine. When did it ever get that way? Any fool shoots from <laughs> anywhere behind the line. I'm going, and Roberta walks into the room. You know, Remember, Roberta, by the way, was on the very first women's basketball team at Hiram College. And she would play and, and pick up games with me later on as we were older and and that. And uh, she does shoot better than I do, but not from three-point range because neither one of us could. But she goes, he's right. Because, you know, you watch this. So you want, as he said, I don't – not anti-three-point shooters. I just don't want fools shooting them. Well, you've always said it, Terry. What did, what did Lenny Wilkins t- yeah, tell you? Yeah, just because you're, you're open, you're open, you don't have to shoot, shoot it. it. <laughs> But if you look at the way the Cavs are built, though, yes. they they can get to the paint, and they yes, have they Jared Allen who can shoot over sixty percent from the field, and Evan Mobley can get to the cup. So, every what we learned against the Knicks was they've got to get some spacers. They're mm-hmm. not built like Boston, right? Yes. So that's and, what we're going to try to do here, right? So they do need some, and then you just need some common sense and more variety in your offense. That was Charles's point. Uh, and then I think uh, I think Van Gundy was doing the game, I believe Stan was, and he was just talking about Boston's lack of movement and how it made them easy to defend. Because if all you're doing is driving a kicking, as they call it, um, or just sort of isolating, you're pretty easy to defend. So, all right, we need shooters. So that said, all right. we don't need fools shooting the ball. We need shooters shooting the ball. All right, so you say you have a couple of names, and then I'm going yes, to bring up a name that uh, I don't. I think he's going to solve the problem, but I think he can help. So why don't you go first? All right, these two guys pass through Cleveland, uh, and one of them is Alex Burks. Alex Burks uh, was with the Cavs in 18-19, and he is now with Detroit, and he is 
Uh, I believe he has a player option. And he shot 43% from the field, 41 on threes. He's a small forward or shooting guard. I like him. He's 32 years old. I don't think he'll cost a lot. That's one. Now, Chris Fedor has been a DiVincenzo fan. You know, he has a player option. Um, so uh, I'm okay with him, too. The other one, this guy's out there. He's just a regular free agent. And he was with the Cavs for one game in 2013. And now you think about what his career has become and how he would have actually fit very well with the LeBron James teams that came in after that. And his name is Seth Curry, who shot his way through the G League, came up the hard way, and he's 33 years old, going to be a free agent. So I would look at those guys. Because remember, we're not talking about you know going in big for big money and all that kind of stuff. Um, another guy, mildly interesting, Damian Lee from uh, – uh, Phoenix. So those are my three. And those are all unrestricted free agents. Yes, or, or um, like I said, I believe I have to, I think uh, Burks has a player option. I'm sure he'd like to get out of Detroit. So. All right. Well, I'm going to say this name and a lot of Cavs fans are going to roll their eyes or laugh. <laughs> yeah. But I think that Dylan Windler is oh, a boy. potential. Oh boy player who could help solve this and here's why i say that yes he's been injury prone since the moment he got the call as a first round pick late in the draft the year he came out it's been one thing after another he played in the g league and last season for the cleveland charge came up i went down and watch i went down to watch a charge game one night mm -hmm. and you know when you're watching the game you can tell the guys who are there who have nba experience yeah they look like nba players and the other guys don't Mm -hmm. uh, Dylan Windler looked like one of the he and and uh, Isaiah Mobley looked like the two NBA type mm -hmm. players. Uh, Windler was moving great, looked great. He was rebounding a lot, and I just think given his size and if you look at what he did for the Charge this year, um, you know even if you all right, let's go back to let's go back the last three years. In twenty nine twenty, he shot twenty eight point six percent on three pointers played in two games, okay? 21-22, that three-point percentage went up to 39% mm -hmm. in 25 games. 22-23 with the charge, 40.7 from three-point range. Mm -hmm. Played 11 games, 22 minutes, 12 points, four rebounds, 52.3% uh, from the field, and like mm -hmm. I said, 40.7% from th the three-point line. Like, is he going to come in and play 38 minutes a game right away and give them you know, six out of eight threes every night, like probably not. But I think if he stays healthy, I think he's someone that they could go to that can get his, get a shot over whoever's on him and hit some of these and it helps space that floor. I just think he's someone who might be in the mix there. That's all I'm saying. He's not going to solve it, but he, he's going to be in the mix. Okay. A couple things. Number one is, as far as I know, only John Beeline and I liked him coming in the draft because <laughs> I heard the front office was kind of I – mean, that was the year they had a whole bunch of first-round picks, and they figured, well, why not? He came out of Belmont, a four-year player. Um, was a pretty good rebounder down there also. And I liked the fact that he looked like he was a three-point shooter, but also with some athleticism, and then immediately one injury after another after another. So now players like him – who maybe have had one problem or another, play some of the G League, and then suddenly get their act together, end up playing well for the Miami Heat, playing well for the old San Antonio Spurs. They end up being like, for example, Seth Curry. How about um, Danny Green was another guy the Cavs had, and then he up going to the G League, putting himself together. So I'm not dismissing this guy. But the, the injury history just scares me with him. Now, I was talking to another NBA executive about kind of looking at these guys. Like some fans like want Oubre from uh, Charlotte, and he's a 30% shooter on threes and just kind of real up and down. Uh, but he said, you know, actually, uh, Kobe Altman drafted a perfect guy for the Cavs right now. He said, it's Abaje. Remember, Oche Abaje, who went to Utah. In that huge Donovan Mitchell trade. Now, you don't hold up the trade for Abaje, but I'm just saying 
he was a four-year player. He didn't play much early in the season, but after the All-Star break, he, he averaged 13 and a half points for those guys. And, you know, he's a son of small forward shooting guard. Uh, he only shot 36% on threes, but they think that he can uh, improve off of that. And so that, I just kind of would bring that up. But I'm looking more for, uh, you know, like especially Burks and Curry, I like them because I think they just come in and play right away. Right. And the other thing, Terry, like they're not trying to find a Joel Embiid. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like these are guys who do one thing, maybe one and a half things and do it really well. And those guys are out there and the Cavs don't have a first round pick, as you mentioned, but they do have a second rounder. And there's no reason you can't find someone who can shoot in the second round and or a veteran and bring in both and see yeah. who kind of is, is hot and can help. Or sometimes things, you so. find your guy in the second round, but he's not quite ready. So you send him the G League and, and you see how it goes. Um, I really dismiss the. Uh, thing I hear sometimes from NBA executives, well, second-round picks don't mean anything. Yes, they do. Because it's a free chance for you to grab a player on a very cheap contract, and you do have a G League team to develop them. And you're supposed to have coaches down there. Now, by the way, I remember when they took Isaiah Mobley, I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I looked at the little bit of the tape. It's like, Jesus, they take him because he's Mobley's brother or what? But then I saw when he played a couple of games for the Cavs, and then you look at how he played uh, at Canton. Uh, well, it's not Cleveland. That was the old Canton charge for the Cleveland charge. He really developed. This guy's got a chance to be a very viable NBA player, and he can shoot from the outside, and he's got some toughness about him. And Lord bless the Mobley family. They teach their sons to defend long before they got to USC. Daddy Mobley understands the basics, and his sons do it. So uh, I do like the idea of the, the G League stuff, but I want to bring in one of these guys. And I'm sure there's some others. Um, I mean, I get like there's a guy, Cameron Johnson, who's a really good shooter, but he's restricted. I don't want to get into restricted free agents because – all you end up doing most of the time is just negotiating a contract uh, for the other team, or you end negotiate the contract and you end up trading for them. Yep. <laughs> and excuse me, they don't have much to trade. They don't. They don't. All right, Terry. So the NBA draft is on June 22nd. That is coming up fast too. We'll see where the Cavs end up at the end of that night. It might be a mix of some of these veterans we're talking about and maybe a second rounder. And never forget that Draymond Green was a second rounder. So. Uh, yeah, all right. So, yes, he, yes, he was. Indeed. So, all right, you ready for some Hey Terry questions? Yes, I am. All right. This first one is from Ed Cohen, who was a longtime listener of the show, and he wanted to say, Hey Terry. Well, it was not Hey Terry. It says, Hey, tell Terry how much I and many, many others, I'm sure, appreciated his column on Bernie Kosar. That's mm -hmm. the kind of piece no other sports journalist is doing, at least not in Cleveland. What a treasure Terry is and irreplaceable. And I agree 100%, Terry, but, uh, Thank you for that, Ed. And, and Terry, I know you got a lot of response to that Bernie Kozar comment. Yeah, I was I was pleased. Uh, Bernie, um, Bernie and I have a mutual friend, and he said he called me and he said, uh, even though I, Bernie could call me too, but this guy was trying to help, and he said, "Can you?" Uh, uh, Bernie really wants to talk about uh, all he's gone through with his um, concussions and how he ended up in the hospital in a coma. Uh, brain bleed, all this stuff. And also at that time, they were getting ready for that uh, CTE walk, or two, I think it was a, uh, I forgot, it was 5K or whatever it was at the marathon. So Bernie opened himself up to me on that. And then the challenge was, if you go back and read it, how do you write this? Because what I really wanted people to do is kind of feel what Bernie was feeling. And so now and then I use the thing called second person. You know, you're Bernie Kosar. You haven't slept for four nights. Your your head pounds. You know all this stuff, and it's kind of indirect quotes, but it's a way of creating feeling. And it goes back to, I'm sure somebody else did it before that, but uh, there was a veteran New York sports writer named Jimmy Cannon, and he used to uh, write the write it that way. You know, you're Babe Ruth. You walk into a bar, everybody sees you. They want to buy you beers. Why? Because you're Babe Ruth. You're Babe Ruth. You order the biggest steak in the joint. You <laughs> order food for everybody. 
And because you're Babe Ruth, and this is depression, you only have a $100 bill. They don't have enough money for change. And they say, ah, oh, forget it. It's a babe. And everybody eats. And then everybody comes up to you, pat you on the back, says, thanks, babe. And you walk out there going, you know, you're Babe Ruth and you will always be Babe Ruth. I just kind of made it up like that. Yeah. And it, it, it also would be something creating rhythm and flow in the writing. It's a little tricky to do, but I've done it for a long time uh, on certain type stories. And uh, so that was – I was curious to see whether Bernie would like that or not. I wasn't sure, but he loved it. Good. And a lot of, a lot of readers did too. I know we heard from a lot of them. Oh, so. yeah. All right, Terry, we've got a couple of Guardians questions. I'm going to group them here. The first one is from Neil in Jamestown, New York, and he says, Hey, Terry, regarding the Guardians, when you are at the MLB bottom in virtually all offensive categories and you have a plethora of middle infielder and starting pitcher prospects, why aren't we discussing trades for immediate offense? And then we have one from Matt Kincaid from Tustin, California, and he says, Hey, Terry, while the Guardians season has not started like many of us have hoped, it does seem like there's a lot of great young, talented pitchers on the roster getting great experience at the MLB level. Could this be restored? Could this restoration be the beginning of a dominant pitching staff for the future or good trade bait to upgrade the offense? Thanks for your time. And again, that's from Matt Kincaid from Tustin, California. So I guess there's kind of two things there, Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see this as the beginning of kind of another dominant stretch for Guardians pitching? And then the second part of it is, do you think they should use some of that to bring in some kind of power hitters or some more offense? Um, the answer to the, the question about uh, lots of pitchers and uh, kind of a new age is yes and yes. I mean, Joey Cantillo, who also was in that trade uh, for um, Clevenger, is doing great at Akron. They have to watch his arm. But that's the thing. They're just they're so fragile the pitchers they just are i mean who would have guessed in 2019 that you know please would be in the minors with a five era savali would end up with all the arm problems that he has had um clevenger you know arm problems all over the place so you you need a whole bunch of them um the guy that's going to get you a hitter is bieber that's who's going to do it Get he is if you trade him around midseason, he will get you. He should be able to get you a hitter at the big league level and some top prospects, because uh, he is an elite starter. Fans will you know why couldn't they get him signed or whatever? Um, Bieber is represented by Drew Rosenhaus, who by far Rosenhaus while he has a zillion NFL clients, only has a couple baseball, and he wants to not only you know. He wants to score two touchdowns with the Bieber contract. You get one of the big ones. And on top of that, the guy that uh, Rosenhaus hired to run his baseball end of it was number two or number three in the Scott Borrell's offense, offense, office. Now where Scott Borrell's the, you know, the, the, as a, someone in major, major league uh, executive said, you know, the, the Darth Vader of <laughs> Major League Baseball agents, you know, the man always wants to get everybody in free agency. Um, this is a guy that studied under Boros. So that's who represents Bieber, and that's why there's got no traction with a contract for him. You know, a lot of times when you look at who signs and who doesn't, the agents have a lot to do with it. You know, Jose for Ramirez's sure. agent was willing to really listen to Jose. In the same way, Corey Kluber who signed a contract to stay in Cleveland, you know, way back when, and as did Carrasco. Remember both of those pitchers. Both, by the way, did get hurt after those contracts were signed, and we're glad they signed them. Uh, I, I really believe when these pitchers are in their middle 20s or so and they get an opportunity to get five or six years or something, uh, you should grab it. Part of the reason they traded Clevenger, I forgot why he turned down 38 or $40 million over X amount of years, and he already had a Tommy John injury. I mean, he should have known. Uh, so that's that's the deal on Beaver. It's sort of the story behind the story. I always say behind the curtain, sometimes there's another curtain. And the agents often dictate who stays and who goes. And the fact that you have Rosenhaus entering into baseball creates another uh, real element to that story. Yeah, and we've seen time after time, Terry, the Guardians seem to pull off these kind of deals 
when the pitcher has a certain number of miles on their arm and they always find the right time and get the most out of it. So that might happen. We'll see this summer. So, all right, we got time I for mean, one more. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. One more other thing. Cause I feel strongly about this. This is kind of like uh Barkley and the three pointers, but you know, Matt, you're Shane Beaver. And in 2021, you missed three months with some type of shoulder injury. And I remember talking to him this spring, and Bieber even told me, and I wrote a story, he goes, you'll never guess how, it was like, never guess how Shane Bieber was feeling last year. And even though he has such a good year statistically, he talked about what a struggle it was to build up his um, his velocity and to feel, as he said, athletic again on the mound. I mean, you look at it, a guy was 13-8 and eight with a 288, and it sounds like he you know, didn't know how to pitch, but it was a struggle for him. And, you know, his velocity is not what it used to be. That, by the way, doesn't bother me because he's such a polished pitcher. But nonetheless, you know, one more injury on that arm, and you're instead of throwing 91, you're throwing 87, 88. That's a problem. So I just feel strongly in most cases, you know, you get a chance to get the money. You get the money as a, as a young pitcher. And then, you know, you go, you're 31, you're on the market, and you get another big contract. And if not, I mean, what happened? Carlos Carrasco came down with leukemia. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Other than the odds are about half of these starting pitchers we just talked about with the uh, Guardians are going to get hurt. Just like more than half of the group we talked about before that did get hurt. Occupational hazard. So, yeah. All right, Terry, real quick, let's get the, we're running out of time here, but I did want to get to this one. It's from Lou Boyd, and he says, Hey, Terry, I've done extensive research into the history of the Cleveland Baseball Writers Association of America and their old ribs and roasts dinner from 1938 to 1975. During these annual shows, the writers selected an MVP slash man of the year and were quite entertaining. I even have a copy of the writer's script from the final show in 1975. Do you have any recollection or have you heard any stories from your fellow baseball writers about those old dinner shows? And again, that's from Lou Boyd. Thanks for that question, Lou. What, did this ring a bell, Terry? Were you part of this? I remember or? them, but I really don't have any stories. It was a throwback to the days when you could get guys to come in for a hundred bucks and, you know, go to the banquet and, and that kind of stuff. Um, just like when the old Wahoo Club, now still around, I think it's the 455 Club, but they could get a lot more guests in that than uh, you do now because of uh, players weren't making as much money and it was just kind of a thing to do. Um, so it was fun in the old days, but I think it kind of went the way of, I mean, you go back and think about it. We're talking, uh, I hate to say this, like 50 years almost. Since yeah, those things it's were. crazy. And I know the local BBWA chapter still holds. It's it's just the writers get together and have lunch. It's not yeah, open to the public. Is, yeah. And they do name, write a man of the year. Uh, I mean, a good, a good guy, guy of, the year, of the year, right? Man of the yeah. year, yeah. Yeah, um, so it is some still in some form, but not quite the grand not, chicken yeah, dinner not what it spectacle was. or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for that question. Again, if you want to hit us with a question or comment, you can send it to sports at cleveland.com and just put Terry's talking in the subject line. I think we're done, right, Terry? Anything Sounds else? good to me. All right, real quick, I want to remind listeners, if you want to sign up for Terry's weekly newsletter, it comes out every Monday. And that way, if you're out of town for a couple of days or taking vacation in August, you won't miss any of Terry's columns, sports, or his faith column every week. You can go to cleveland.com slash newsletters and sign up for that. It's free. And it comes out once a week and you'll get Terry in your mailbox and you can never have too much Terry in your mailbox. So we'll catch everybody next week on Terry's Talking.